If I just came here for that, that's enough. <clears throat> but there's always more. Is anyone ready for, to be just fed today in the Spirit? I want you to go with me to Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3. I feel it so strongly, I'm telling you. Because there's such a beautiful sense of the presence of God in this house. I preach in some big churches, but I don't always sense what I sense here today. You need to know what you've got. You need to know what you've got. And you as a church need to know the gifts that God has sent to you. That's not because I really want a great offering today. It'd be nice, but I'm not looking for that. I don't come here for that. You've got to love on your leaders. Love on them. Shower them with blessings. Because whatever you give comes back to you. Now, you should be saying a big amen to that right there. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. I invite you to go there with me. Can I just have a little bit more in the fold back? Thank you. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. I've just come off, preached in Perth, 21 sessions in a week. And... Uh, and uh, I'm going on holidays tomorrow. This is a good day. This is a good thing. I'm going on Noosa for two weeks to just enjoy Jesus and in, in, in the sunshine and food and family. And, but um, <clears throat> it was important that I come here. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, verse 1 says this. By the way, this is a really good passage of Scripture to memorize. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by faith the people of old received their commendation. And by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. I want to speak to you this morning on God's heavenly broadband network. God's heavenly broadband network. Now, the house where we live in the Yarra Valley in Melbourne suffers from Uh, internet connection problems does anyone else in the room feel my pain (laughs) all right internet connection problems and so it's a real problem when you're watching netflix and you've just given up an hour of your life to watch this stupid tv show and two hours to watch this movie and and you know where i'm going and it gets to the climactic moment of this uh, tv show and this movie and then all of a sudden everything freezes right and you're there and it doesn't matter how many demons you cast out of Netflix or how much holy water you throw on the wireless internet modem. It, it just, it, it's not budging, it's not moving. And so you're like, I'm never going to get back those two hours of my life. Have you ever watched something and go, I'm never going to get that back again? And, and so you're like, it's a complete waste of time. It's a frustration because we have internet connection problems. Now, they tell me that NBN, National Broadband Network, is supposed to fix this. We are yet to see the manifestation of that prophetic declaration in our city, in our community. Well, apparently the NBN is like a national communications uh, infrastructure designed to improve the speed of online communications. Well, I began to think about that and how in the kingdom of God, God has a HBN, 
a heavenly broadband network. And if you and I don't plug into God's HBN, we are going to suffer from connection problems in our relationship with God. We're going to give and, and, and give and give, but not necessarily see a return of harvest in our giving. You can, you can give all you have, but if you don't connect into God's heavenly broadband network, you're not, not going to see a return. You can pray and you can pray and you can pray, but not necessarily see any breakthrough. You can witness and witness and witness, but not necessarily see loved ones, work colleagues, etc., respond, come into the kingdom of God. And when often we see a delay of answers and we see a lack of breakthrough, we blame the sovereignty of God. And we say, well, God is sovereign. Whatever will be, will be. Let him just do what he does. And we sit back in our spiritual jacuzzi, sip our spiritual iced tea and expect God to come and do things. And I think sometimes we blame the sovereignty of God for things our faith needs to take responsibility for. You see, God's heavenly broadband network is the spirit of faith. Paul talks about faith as a spirit. In other words, it's a manifestation, it's an expression, it's a gift of the the charisma, of the, the, the charisma of the spirit, of the person of the Holy Spirit. Faith is a conductor of God's power. Doubt is an insulator from God's power. Okay, and, and many of us approach God based upon our needs. We say, well, I have a financial need. I have a physical need. I have a relational need. And we approach God based on needs. And we quote Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Yes, but God doesn't meet your needs just because you've got a need. There are lots of needs in this room right now that are not being met. There are needs in this city that are not being met. There are needs in the nation of Australia and all around the world right now that God's compassionate towards. He's, he's, He's kind towards but are not necessarily being met. The prerequisite for needs being met is not just the evidence or fact that there's a need, but God is looking for faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It does not say without need, it's impossible to please God. I've got needs, you've got needs, but unless I bring faith to that need, faith to the challenge, faith to the issue, and I plug into God's heavenly broadband network, I'm going to just sit all the days of my life waiting for the need to be met. I have a part. We are co-laborers with God. You have a part to play in the redemptive purposes of God for your life, for your family, for this church, for the city. God is calling for faith in this hour. You see, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is written to Christians who are being persecuted and they're capitulating under the weight of that persecution. And so the book of Hebrews, particularly the first 10 chapters, is about setting up the foundation as to why, Hebrews 11 and 12, why we can live by faith. And in the same way, I believe that this book and this chapter is so relevant to us as 21st century Australians, 
to Mount Clear Church today. Why? Because we are living in a culture in a day and age where people of faith are becoming a rare breed species of people. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Paul prophesied that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I believe that God is building a new heaven and a new earth and your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This world, this earthly realm is supposed to look more and more like heaven. That's the heart of God. That's the purpose of God. That's the intention of God. That before the, 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 the great tribulation and before the, 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 the return of Jesus, the second coming, that this planet is going to experience a harvest like the world has never seen. That we are going to see more and more evidence of the power of the kingdom of God, not talk, but power in our lives, in our churches, in our regions. But we have got to understand the spirit of faith if that's going to happen. The spirit of faith possesses the now will of God. How do I know that? Because the Hebrew writer says in verse 1, now faith is. Now faith is. Not, not tomorrow, not yesterday, right now. You need to understand something. God dwells in the eternal now. Before you were, He was. Right now, He is. And after we're gone, He still will be. God is always relevant. God is always present. God is always now. He said to Moses, when Moses said, who do I say is going to send me to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go? How do I know? What authority do I bring? Who do I say sent me? And God said, I am. Well, if that was me, I'd go, that's not very helpful. Like, you know, let's get a bit of a better marketing brand line here about what's going to get Pharaoh's attention. I'm just being honest. I am. But within those two words is all the revelation you need to begin to possess the now will of God for your life. Because he was saying, Moses, before you were, I am. As you are right now, I am. And after you will be, I still, I am. Let me tell you, I am is enough to get the now purpose of God for your life. I am. And what faith does, faith reaches into the eternal nature of God, the eternal realm of God, and brings into our earthly reality the now will of God for our lives. The now word, the now when When Jesus healed the sick, he operated out of a now revelation of the Father's purpose for that person. He didn't sit there and say, oh, pretty please, Father, would you pretty please, like, just bring healing to this person somehow over the next few weeks and months. And we understand sometimes healing's progressive. No, the Bible says he only ever did that which he saw his father doing. So he saw his father do it. And then by faith and the power of the spirit as his son operating out of sonship in his identity spoke to the now issue and brought the now will and power of God to the situation and context at hand and ministered life, resurrection, supernatural power to the issue. Why? Because he was operating out of a now revelation. You've got to catch the now revelation of God for this house. You want to see more miracles? You want to see the supernatural, which I believe there's a hunger and appetite and a, a pattern and testimony building in this house for that? You need to understand miracles are spontaneous interventions of God in the now will of God for a person's life situation so you're going to need to understand have a quickening in your spirit what does God want to do now in this person's life 
What does God want to do now in our life? Many of us are waiting for God to do something next week, next month, next year. And God is waiting for people of faith who will come into agreement with what he wants to do now in Mount Clear. Now in Ballarat. You see, faith is not only present tense, but it's defined by two things. Faith is assurance and conviction in a thing, in something. It's not presumptuous and it's not just optimistic. I hear people say, you know, uh, you know you've got to be positive. Well, Hamris, no, we, we met lots of positive people. Read self-help books, optimistic, wonderful, but there's no power necessarily in their lives. In fact, by the way, there's no such thing as self-help in the kingdom of God. If there was, we wouldn't need a saviour. So put your self-help book down. Pick up the Bible. Learn some principles. Generally those books, I used to read a whole bunch of them until I realised my willpower keeps you know, defaulting to brokenness and I can't make this happen in my own street. So rather than try and get secondary reason, just go straight to the revelation. Because if you... St- Many of us are trying to change, this is for someone in this room, many of us are trying to change our lives, habits, addictions, all sorts of things by principles and willpower. Have you discovered it doesn't work? But if you just get your eyes on Jesus, follow him, ask for the grace and power of the Spirit at work in your life, you automatically change because you behold, whatever you behold, you become. So, so many of us think, well, if we just be positive and optimistic, that, that, that's, that's faith. Well, that's maybe an aspect of it. But faith doesn't deny your reality. Faith acknowledges your reality, but chooses to believe in God regardless. We're not living in ignorance or denial of the reality of sickness, brokenness, all these things. We're living with God's perspective and wisdom on those, those things and seeing God's redemptive now purpose to heal and mend and minister life and and healing and and do what he wants to do in those things. But you've got to understand that faith is the assurance of a thing hoped for, the conviction of a thing not seen. I can't see it in the natural, but I see it. I have an assurance and conviction of it in the spirit. You see... The source of our assurance and conviction is Jesus Christ's once and for all sacrifice on the cross. My faith is not based on an ideology, a philosophy, or a belief system. My faith is based in a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Jesus said, it is finished, he's saying, I've done everything necessary to secure your forgiveness, your salvation, your blessing, your purpose, your call, your wholeness, your transformation, everything is that, that is necessary to be done, I have done, it is finished. And Hebrews 1 to Hebrews 10 is about setting up our awareness and understanding that it's Jesus Christ and Him conquering sin, Satan and death that gives us a reason and assurance and conviction of faith to live our lives in the now will of God, in the now purpose of God. You think about when Jesus did the original moonwalk across the Sea of Galilee, 
forget Michael Jackson, Jesus already did it. He's the hero of the story 2,000 years ago. And Jesus literally <coughs> defies natural law. It's an historical event. It happened. There are more witnesses to the things that Jesus did, more evidence than there is to some things that we just accept as being history. In other civilizations, Roman civilization, all sorts of things. And Jesus walks across the sea. Once the disciples get over their freak out, because if you and I were in that boat, we'd freak out too. We go, we laugh at the disciples and, oh, they're so naive. And we're the disciples. We'd be freaking out as well. They're like, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Jesus, right? The original Superman, okay? And everyone bags out Peter, but this is what I love about Peter. Peter looks and he goes, I want to do that. We haven't got enough believers saying, I want to do that. How can you do the greater works of Jesus if you don't have a desire to say, I want to do that? I want to minister like that. I, I want to see that. I want to walk in that. I want Not out of envy, comparison, competition, but out of if Jesus calls me to do it. If Jesus, I want to do that too. Now, if Peter had have stepped out of the boat just based upon I want to do that, desire, it would have been presumption. He would have sunk to the bottom straight away. But Peter's smart even though he had foot and mouth disease sometimes and, you know, gets called Satan by Jesus, get behind me, Satan. At another, you know you're having a bad day when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Um, <clears throat> but Peter's smart on this occasion and he says, Jesus, if it's you, ask me to come to you on the water. Because Peter understood something. If he says it, that settles it. If I can get a word from heaven, that, that finishes it. And Peter says, if that's you, Jesus, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on down. I like where your head's at. Come on down. And that one word, come, was all the provision that Peter needed to have assurance and conviction to obey and defy natural law. He too, like Jesus, operated outside of the time and space continuum and walked on top of the water like it was concrete, like it was the ground. Of course he got a bit wet, but he was literally walking on top of it. The only time he began to sink is not when he, you know, was just looking at the wind and waves and the circumstance. He got his eyes, the spirit of his faith, off the word. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It wasn't even looking at Jesus, it was the word, because God creates things with his mouth. You see, I'm no longer worried about natural circumstances. I've been through enough of them just like you. And we could all stand up and share our sob story and this and that and lost this and this person died and this happened and lost that money and lost that business and all this sort of thing. I'm even going through something right now in my world that in the natural, it all sort of looks complex and frustrating. I'm not worried about what's going on in the natural. Why? I've received a word. I've got a word. And the Lord said, come. And I said, yes, sir. And so you step out of the boat on that word and God's trying to get your faith into a place. Faith 
faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You get your faith on the Word and all of a sudden things change, things shift. We walk by faith, not by sight. Stop looking at your natural circumstance. Stop looking at your natural reality and start to see with the eyes of faith, God, if you say it, that settles it. So when you hear a word spoken over your leaders, spoken over this house, don't be sceptical and, and, and sort of spectate because if you bring a heart of scepticism and doubt to it, you become a spectator while everyone else participates. Don't spectate. Don't, don't, don't go, oh, I don't know. Just go, God, you said it. I receive it. Now let's walk in it. Off the merry-go-round, off the little light show, and let's go after it. Because God has too much. God has called this church to to bring salvation to this city. But you've got to have, faith has a thing. Faith has an object. Faith lies dormant where it lacks a goal. Where it lacks vision, where it lacks a goal. People say goal setting, you know, is like in motivational self-help. No, 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 goal setting is in Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance of a thing. What's a thing? A goal, a something, an object. So I want to ask you, are you praying for a specific thing to become a reality in your life? Or are you just praying, God, bless me, fill me, anoint me, empower me. I don't know what else to pray. God, bless me, fill me, anoint me, empower me. And God's like, I will, I am, I have. Now let's go do something together. Let's go do something. Let's go change the world. Let's go make some disciples. Let's go take all this power and authority and supernatural and pastoral heart and, and everything that God's been showing and doing and let's go do it. Because he's on a mission. He's going somewhere. His heart is to see the kingdom manifest in this region. And where others may not be aware of that or open to that he's like i'm looking for someone i'm looking for i'm looking for leaders i'm looking for a house i'm looking i'm looking ah there you are i've been watching you i sent an angel i dispatched an angel to watch you just as the angel came to gideon i've been watching you gideon and then your eyes are open to it and you're like below below and he's like now go in this might of yours and save israel You see, the entire foundation of your relationship with God is by grace through faith. The message of grace is an important message in this house because there are going to become so many broken people that need, you know, I love that communion, that Lord's table. Thank you so much for sharing. I loved how real you were. Every time I come, it's like people are real here. Thank you for being real even though we drank some sugar in the juice in the communion. I was like, sugar hit. We got convicted, sugar hit. (laughs) But seriously, I loved it. You got a sharp mind. God's anointed you. You got a sharp mind. In fact, I just sense promotion on your life. There's promotion on your life. You don't need to compare. You talked about this young whippersnapper. You don't need to compare. God's got your lane all marked out. Run your race. He's got promotion for you. 
You see, it's by your faith that God commends you as righteous. Not by your works, by your faith. The Bible says, for by faith, the people of old received their commendation. So here it is. When, when Noah obeyed God and built an ark for 100 years, he built a boat. There's no rain. The earth is being, uh, is being um, ministered to by the moisture coming up from the ground. It's being watered from the moisture. There's no history to indicate, why do I need a boat? But by revelation... Under ridicule and persecution, he builds a boat. And God says, that's righteous. It wasn't just God's grace that saved Noah and his family. It was his obedient faith. Noah could have said, you're crazy. I, I bet you over 100 years, you'd be like, I am going crazy. See, we read it and we think these people are like supermen and superwomen. They're just like you and I. But they had a revelation. They had an encounter. When Abraham and Sarah are past the age of conceiving children and by faith they received, conceived and received the promised child, God says, that's righteous. <clears throat> when Daniel's in the lion's den and hungry, real African safari wild lions don't eat him and choose to have their mouths shut because God sent an angel and allowed it. God says, that's righteous. And if you are righteous, you have no choice but to live by faith. Because the Bible says four times, whenever the Bible repeats something more than once, listen up, he's trying to get something through to you. The just, the righteous shall live by faith. And Habakkuk 2, 2 to 4, which is being given to you as a house by prophetic revelation, talks at the end of that whole passage, if the vision is going to come to pass, which it will, how will it come to pass? The righteous live by faith. This is why this message is so important for you today. You see, we're saved by grace through faith. So what often happens is we're saved, we get forgiven, we get washed clean, We've got a ticket on the gospel train. Awesome, amazing. But many of us stop at salvation with our faith and don't, get to, don't, don't move on from that point and live the life of faith in every other area of our life. God's got faith for you for your finance. God's got faith for you for your marriage. God's got faith for you for your kids. God's got faith for you in every area of your life. Stop just limiting faith to this one time saved by grace through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God so that no one may boast. God is saying, I've given you faith and grace for every area area of your life there's overflow available for every area of your life salvation is not just about your spirit salvation is mind body spirit it's your entire life it's the kingdom of God the Bible says that through his grace we are 
destined to reign in Jesus' name. You are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. That does not mean that you don't acknowledge issues, brokenness, stuff going on in your world. It acknowledges the source of your victory, the source of your conquering, the source of your faith, the source of what God's called you to. Stop living with a victim mentality. Get off the merry-go-round and realise God's purpose for you, just as it was for Israel, was not to just spend all the time in the wilderness wandering around and having, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, manna every day. But God's intention for Israel, as it is for you, is to walk into the fullness of the promises. You got to get a promised land mentality. You got to get a promised land spirit. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't be conformed to the pattern of another church. God bless them, love them. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. When they win, we win. When they lose, we lose, right? It's not about us and them. It's about saying together, we're not going to compare. We're not going to get jealous, envious. We're not going to compare our lamp to another lamp down the road. We're just going to put oil in this lamp. And we're going to go after what God has called us to. We're going to get a promised land, giant conquering vision. And we're not going to stop until we see the kingdom manifest in this region, in this city. When you get that spirit, I tell you what, you start to operate in faith. You see, it's your faith that accesses the eternal realm. Because faith perceives in the spirit what reason cannot comprehend in the natural. By faith we understand, the Hebrew writer says. You know what our culture has replaced that with? By education we understand. By reason, by logic we understand. Now I'm pro-education. Get as educated as you possibly can. I have higher learning, several degrees. Knock yourself out. But here's the deal. If your education is greater than your revelation, you're going to struggle to live by faith. I'm telling you, I met lots of educated people. They've got no revelation of faith and they wonder why there's no fruit. Some of the biggest churches and greatest moves, some of the smallest churches, but the greatest fruit in those environments is not based upon education. It's based upon revelation of faith. And, 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 and the reason is this, because if you live by logic, reason and education alone, God's going to come to you one day and ask you to do something that's going to be a paradox and a contradiction to your education. Your accountant's going to say, you shouldn't give that amount of money to the church. You shouldn't go and give that to that person. And God's saying, yes, you should. Because I want to bring kingdom economy into your life. And I know it doesn't make sense in the natural, but are you going to live by faith or are you going to live by reason? Now, there's stewardship, there's wisdom, there's all those things. But I tell you what, we... (coughs) I was on staff at a 10,000 member church, was offered four jobs in that church, influence, security, didn't have to go in, it could have stayed there for the rest of my life and God said, go plant a church with 13 people and no money. Well, thank you, Jesus. Couldn't there be another scenario here that could just be, you know, like appeal to my flesh and be a little bit more comfortable? No, live by faith. 
Then when that baby, because when you plant a church, when you lead a church, it's like an, another child in the house, right? It's like, and we got three little kids and this, this church now is over 400 people, 2,000 square meters of space. We've got staff, we've got budget, we've got this, we've got that, we've got influence in the community. And God says, ha, new adventure, choose your own adventure, except I'm choosing it for you. Uh, I want you to lay that down and now go itinerant. And go preach to the body and go, you know, and by the way, no one's going to pay you. But I'm your boss and I'll look after you. Oh, okay. I had four months booked out the first year. Back after that, it was back to checkout chick for me, right? Nothing wrong with that, it's just not what I'm called to. Four months turned into 12 months. 12 months has now turned into six years. Every year, boom, 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 boom. Why? Because it's by faith. It's by faith. There are now 32 couples around the world that through the prophetic word of faith and their support and help with each other now have conceived children where they were barren. They were looking at IVF or some of them were in that process, all that sort of thing. And, and, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there is a fruitfulness and multiplication upon the word of the Lord. And where faith comes, God breaks natural law and he comes and intervenes and shifts things in people's lives. It's by faith. When my father was diagnosed with a malignant tumor on his tongue, he's a preacher this is 20-odd years ago, 30 years ago. And he went to Reason. And Reason said, we're going to have to cut out a quarter of your tongue. You'll never talk the same way. You'll never articulate the same way again. Not good for a preacher. And so Reason said, come back next week. We're going to perform the surgery. You've got a malignant, cancerous growth on your tongue. I'm at the church with my mother. My dad comes to the church, tells us, obviously we're upset. Dad picks up his Bible, comes to the altar of the church and for five days straight, six to eight hours a day, instead of listening to what reason said, he listened to what faith said. And he read, by his stripes, I am healed. He read, he forgives all my iniquity and heals all my diseases. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And he just began to declare with whatever articulation he could at that time because it was growing. And he began to pray, he began to fast, he began to weep, he began to cry out to God. He began to prophesy and declare over his mouth. We notice over the five days, the, the colour, the texture of the growth started to change. He goes back to reason, goes and consults reason. And reason says, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but it looks different. Let's test again. They brought these test results to the, the, the secondary test results and they're now totally different. Instead of malignant tumour, now it's benign. Now he's healed. Now he no longer has a cancerous growth on his tongue. Now reason doesn't have to operate. Why? Because someone decided not to just listen to reason and accept it, but to actually listen to faith and walk in it. Now, it's sometimes I understand we do listen 
person to faith and we do believe and yet it doesn't happen according to that timing. I don't necessarily understand that. All I know is the righteous live by faith. All I know is I'm called to exercise my faith. I'm called to pray in faith. I'm called to declare by faith. I'm called to live by faith and I leave the results to God. My responsibility is not to explain away why God doesn't do what He does. I am so sick of Christians explaining to unbelievers why God didn't do something. That's not your job. God doesn't need you as a witness. God can defend himself, baby. What he needs is someone who has faith and says, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. How come this isn't happening? But I choose to believe it. I choose to believe it. The world will follow people like that. The world will follow people like that. People with conviction, people with assurance, people with faith. Why? Because the world's desperately looking for answers. And when a church rises up with a whole house of believers in a spirit of faith, boom, 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 they come. You see, reason says first see and then believe. I'll see it, then I believe it. Faith says I believe, therefore I see. You see, for faith to manifest, and I'm going to come to an eventual close, for faith to materialize what's invisible into the visible realm, it must be activated. And really simply, really quickly, faith gets activated by what you hear, by what you declare, and by what you obey. The Bible says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the Word of God. God's Word creates worlds. He creates by the spoken Word. You've been made in his image and his likeness. The power of life and death is in the tongue. But the first step to manifesting the invisible is you've got to hear the word. You've got to hear it. Now, once I hear it, I've got to hold on to that. I've got to do something with it. But many of us are just reading the Bible and we're hearing logos. We're just hearing what God said. It's true, it's a promise, but in order for it to be activated, it has to become rhema. Inspired, quickened, rhema word. Rhema is God's now word. See, to be honest with you, I had a, a now word to share with you, but I didn't know any of that stuff until I sat in that seat and walked into this room. I, I, I didn't come with like notes. Oh, oh, that'll be good. I'll say that there. And I'll say, no, it's like, God, what are you saying now? And the reason why there's power in it is because it's rhema. It's right now. It's inspired. It's quickened. So many of us, we, we read the promise in the Bible and we go, yep, but it's not rhema to our hearts. It's not prophetic. It's not quickened. So the first step is, God, speak to me your rhema now word from your word, from a prophecy, whatever it is. I'm going to test it, prove it, bring it into alignment with your will, all that stuff, test and weigh what's said. And then once I've heard it, what do I do with it? I declare it. Now, many of us have been taught confession. Confess the word, confess the word, confess the word. Confession's powerful. Confession's good. By confession, you get saved. When confession and faith come together awesome amazing but many of us are simply confessing what God's already said 
Declaration is declaring what God is saying right now. What He's saying. When Jesus ministered to the sick, He didn't confess, He declared. He didn't say, I pray that you would be healed. He said, be healed. Open eyes, open ears. He declared something. He had spiritual authority, so much so that the Pharisees were like, where did this man get this teaching from? He teaches as one who has authority. Why? Because he knew the now will of the Father. Hear, declare, obey. The best definition of faith I've ever heard is faith is obedience to the point of risk. It's not faith unless you obey to the point of risk to yourself. You've got to obey God's rhema. Why? James 2.26, faith apart from works is dead. And so when these three dimensions of faith come together, the invisible begins to materialize. Now, I'm wondering if our keyboard player can just come up. Twinkle fingers, you did a great job, man. I love, you. I love what you did. <clears throat> this short little story that is going to set someone free in this room to believe for your miracle. When we planted the church, we let it seven years, we had no money. We were transporting all of our production equipment around to 11 different locations the first three years. People, multiple cars, people even brought True Story were carrying foldbacks on trains to the different locations. Not good. And I said, God, we need a truck. We need a truck to transport all this equipment around in. We, we found a, a really beaten up secondhand truck. $10,000 was the asking price. We didn't have $10,000. May as well have been a million. Been to the church multiple times for offerings. We didn't have it. I'm in my office one day. I said, God, We've got a need. Here's the need. Like you have needs. Here's the need. I've got a bill. I've got a sickness. I've got a child that needs help. Here's the need. Say, God, speak your word. Meet that need. Give us $10,000. God speaks to me. By this time tomorrow, within 24 hours, by this time tomorrow, you'll have the money in your hand. Now, many of you hear God say to you stuff and you dismiss it as a figment of your imagination. And you go, that's my flesh. That's not God. I could have done that this day. But I said, I believe. I've heard it. Faith rose up in my heart. I started to walk around the office. I'm walking into the staff member's office. By this time tomorrow, $10,000 is going to be in my hand. They looked at me like you're looking at me now. You're crazy. That doesn't, that's, that's not going to, how is that going to happen? And I just start filling the atmosphere of the building, filling the atmosphere of my spirit, filling the atmosphere with declaration. I thank you, Father, for $10,000 in my hand for this need. I thank you, Jesus, by this time tomorrow and I would declare the time by this time tomorrow it's going to be in my hands I've declared what I heard then he says to me now obey me I want you to go here comes the application here comes the co-laboring I want you to go book a meeting with this person never met them don't know them don't even know if they know me I don't know what they do I don't know who they are I've heard of them but I don't know really anything about them. Book a meeting. I said, what, within 24 hours? Yep, just book it. I ring up his office and they say, there's an opening 
that has come up one hour before the deadline of what God said to me. How many of us know God works at the 11th, 12th hour? Sometimes at like at 1am He works, but it, it, it's in His time it happens. So one hour before the deadline, I book in this appointment. Now on the way there, God says, don't ask for money. Because how many of us know we like to help God? And we spiritualize it. It's like, you know, I'm just being God's hands and feet. I'm helping. It's don't help. Don't prophesy. Sit in that chair. Get to know Him. At the end of the hour, there's a few minutes before the deadline. And I'm like, nothing's happening. I'm like, bad pizza the night before. I'm I'm so stupid. I've, I've misheard God. And I'm like, I'm getting ready to leave. And I get up to leave and shake his hand. He goes, where are you going? Sit down. I go, okay. And he's called his secretary in. And he said, by the way, bring my checkbook. Immediately my heart rate went to 180 beats per minute. I started to prophesy $1 million in Jesus' name in my head. I'm seeing a whole fleet of trucks. I'm seeing staff. I'm seeing buildings. I'm going, $1 million. Here it is. This is the moment. And in front of my eyes, without any knowledge, any prompting, did not attend our church, he writes out a check for $10,000. Puts it into my hand. I look at my watch. This is no word of a lie. Three minutes to spare. Three. Can you, can, what that did for my faith. I'm a young pastor. We've just planted a church and I've got, so now, three years later when we needed $100,000, guess who's got faith for it? And I said, we need $100,000. The same God who did the 10,000. You see, if you're not faithful with the little in your hands now, the little need that you have now, you'll never be ready to conquer cities and conquer towns and do what God has called you to do. But as you step out in faith with the little need, God says, here's more, because He's a God more than enough. Here's more, here's more, here's more, here's more. Then when the $100,000 thing came, He goes, now run from Sydney to Melbourne. I heard the word. True story. Some of you know the story. I I ran from Sydney to Melbourne. Cut a long story short, $160,000 later. Guess what he's getting me ready for in the coming years? Million dollar needs. Say, what? that's prideful. That's flesh. No, it's kingdom. It's kingdom. I don't care what you think. It's kingdom. I'm going to live by the principles of the kingdom, not by the opinions of man. And God is raising this church up. He's cut off the flesh off you. He's cut off the opinions of man. He's cut off the scaffolding. He's cut off the blueprints of man, the the, the reasoning and the strategy of man. And he's He's saying it's time to live by faith. It's time to manifest the kingdom. It's time to conquer a city, a region for my glory. And my honor, I want you to get on your feet this morning. I want to invite you to lift your hands in worship. I want to invite the band to come. And I want to prophesy over your need. I want to prophesy over your life. We're going to finish the service in just a moment. But right now, in this place, in this room, if you come up, Ben, if you are here and you say, I have a need, but I am believing today by faith 
that God is going to meet my need and not just meet my need, but give me more than enough, more than sufficient, more abundantly, more of His fullness in my life. I want you to raise your hand in this room and receive this word over your life. You don't need to come to the front and have me lay hands upon you. God is here. His presence is here. His Spirit is here. His anointing is here. His Word is here. He wants to bring miracles into your life. Miracles are not just for the preachers and the pastors. Miracles are not just for the the guest ministry. Miracles are for every believer in this room. And Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name. And we declare, O God, that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus, not because we have a need, but because we believe that you're our Father, you're our good God, you're our heavenly provider, you're our supplier, you're our healer, you're our saviour, you're our sustainer. And Lord, we submit every need to you today. We submit to you the desires of our hearts, the things, Lord God, that we've wrestled with and haven't seen manifest and materialise yet. And God, we come to you and say, God, come and pour out your blessing, pour out your abundance, pour out your sufficiency, pour out your fullness upon this house and upon every person's life. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall be strong, they shall be well watered, they shall shall be fruitful. They shall multiply. I prophesy fruitfulness over you. I prophesy multiplication over you. I prophesy the spirit of faith into your heart, the gift of faith into this room, the gift of faith over your life, that there'll be a shift over your life. As of this day, a line in the sand, God says it's time to cross over into the realm of faith, the life of faith, the kingdom of faith. In Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name. Come on, let's just worship for a moment. Let's lift up our voices. Let's worship Him.